cliffcentral.com. Good morning, good morning, good day. Hello, welcome to the Bounce Show, the final Bounce Show of November and the final normal Bounce Show of 2016. Yep, as of next week, we're going to be recapping all of 2016's many, many sporting moments. But today, well, let's recap on what was pretty much a disastrous weekend of sport. <laughs> I laugh, I laugh, I laugh. Um, I lost a lot of money in bets because it seemed whatever I put money on last week, well, everything went to shit. Uh, you know, pity me, but at the same time, I should never have thought that the boss could do anything other than be completely and utterly useless one more time. You know, I, I decided to back the box with a handicap of, I think, 10 and a half or something like that. Very conservative. And you know what? Against that Welsh team, ugh, it was a safe bet. It was safe as houses. But no, they just have no ability with the ball in hand. They ball watch in defense. And 27-13, that is what <laughs> record score against the Welsh. Commentators are saying this is the most hopeless, useless, pathetic box side they've ever seen in the British Isles. And um, they weren't exactly wrong. So there was that to talk about. We're going to get John from the left backs. He is back. Uh, we actually haven't chatted to him for quite a while. He's, he's, he's a really great rugby guy. He really does. He, he balances opinion and fact and doesn't get as emotional as I do because I get angry. <laughs> I really do. I get angry because I'm frustrated just like you are about the Springbok team right now. We all know it's going through the doldrums and going through a rough patch and all that kind of stuff. But we can't comprehend just how bad it's actually going to get because it's going to get worse from here. Yesterday on the Bounce of the Series today, I put out a blog post about the fact that this is not rock bottom, Buck fans. There are many, many uh, facets of, of rock bottomness still to be engaged with before we actually get to the point where the box will turn and actually go upwards so if you want to give that a read the bounce that i highly recommend it um if i do say so myself some of my better pieces in quite some time i i've actually stopped writing about the spring box i realized that in the past i'd watch the game i would you know send a few tweets that kind of stuff like any other sports fan would but then um what i would do the next day is i would basically write a piece for therapy if nothing else and um yeah, I've stopped doing that because there's nothing to talk about with the box. So that is my final save for the Spring Box for this year. It's on the bounce of Cedars today right now. We've got um, crickets to talk about as well. Proteus, unfortunately, couldn't get the, the all-important whitewash. But, you know, we can't have everything, okay? We can't have everything. Lots of great football to also enjoy from the weekend and catch up on. And we've got AK who will be doing the uh, weekend wrap-up as per usual. So, so much to get into. If you want to listen, if you are listening live, sorry, and you want to um, engage with me on the show right now just tweet me on twitter at follow the bounce that's all it is follow the bounce i'm sure you know that by now seeing as you have been an avid listener i do appreciate that throughout the year yeah that's pretty much it okay well did you know you're not good to the show if you're sitting out there mate i mean really <laughs> okay if you, i can't hear you from out there you got to come in here so yeah it's been an action pack weekend so ak is going to give you a nice little wrap up ak i don't have your bed music uh mike one two three um but yeah there's football there was sa sports awards as well there's a lot to get into for that um what else was there there was golf. There was the World Cup of Golf. Now, the South African team didn't do so well, uh, mostly because our top golfers don't really seem to care about, uh, what do you call it, national participation. They weren't too keen about the Olympics, and they sure as hell weren't too keen about uh, World Cup of Golf. So Denmark actually won that one. They beat the USA. But yeah, for more about the weekend of wrap-up, okay, how's it going? Yeah, I mean, I'm good in you. Yeah, not so bad. Huh? <laughs> Look, I didn't have a good weekend as far as sports. It was quite soul-destroying in places. Yeah, but please don't tell me about the box, though. I mean, we pretty much knew what was going to happen there, so... I know, but don't they just keep surprising us with new levels of crap? <sighs> yeah, I am. I, I, I don't know what to say about those guys. But yeah, man, Alistair Kutsia had a lot to say. 
Um, surprisingly, Andrew Strauss, besides apologizing, he had something to say, saying that he's going to finally, you know, like tell the truth, ruth, ruthlessness. Like, yeah, he's going to be ruthless when it comes to the truth, um, because he, 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 he feels that there's a lot to say in terms of, well, behind the Springboks losing so many games and team selection and so forth. So, well, I, I bloody hope so because Adrian Strauss to this point has been saying things like, we'll take a long, hard look at ourselves. <laughs> we'll. We're basically embarrassed. It's still yeah. the same. But it'd be nice to get some sort of human interaction out of the Springbok team because, you know, when a team's down, obviously you're disappointed yeah. and there's a lot of positives, but at least just be transparent. Yeah, well, it never um, happens, eh? Uh, Alistair Kutzia tried to be transparent by saying that he's backing, um, Adrian Strauss, um, blah, blah, blah. The thing is, he's, 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 he's the only captain that he thinks would have stood up to the amount of pressure, you know, um, yeah, seeing, seeing the, 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 the bad run of the Springboks. And yeah, Fiji, I mean, yeah, was it Tonga? Tonga beat Italy. So we don't know what was going to happen if we would play Tonga. In well, that was, <laughs> that was a horrible precursor to that Bok match yeah. where you saw the result yeah. that Italy were done Tonga. You're thinking, okay, uh, yeah. yeah, we got less than no chance now against Wales. So yeah, man, um, there's some tennis news that I've got. Um, Federico Delbono swept aside Croatia's Evo color of 6-3-6-4-6-2 in yesterday's decider as Argentina clinched their first Davis Cup title with a stunning fight back in Zagreb. Now one Martin Del Porto, um, being cheered on by Argentine football legend Maradona staged an incredible comeback from two sets down to beat um, Marlon Klerich. So well done to Argentina for um, winning that. And our big Vern, Vernon Philander, that is credited as man of the match series performance to the outstanding team contributions from the bowlers despite their seven loss wicket to the Aussies in the third day night test. Now he finished off with 12 wickets um, with 136 runs. Now really satisfying comeback um, performance after a seven month um, injury layoff, but now I was a bit surprised to see him take the man of the the man of the series um um, um, um award. Seeing that Quentin yeah, de Kock, but they, I mean, yeah, I backed him it, over anyone else. Again, like, I think Vern was actually surprised too. And the guy, <laughs> the guy even said as much. Vern, you a bit surprised with this? Yeah, yeah. There were a lot of guys who did well, but you know, as like Fafdi Pasi said, mm-hmm. everyone kind of did their own bit at some yeah, stage. Which Vern is a just, good thing to see that the Vern team just did is a general. few other bits. And you think in Perth. When when uh, Dale Stay went off the field, if yeah. it wasn't for Vern suddenly then get coming rights, we would have been so screwed. And if we'd lost that match, who knows what would have happened from there. Yeah, but at least we won that match. Now, some rugby news. England eighth man Billy Vunipola faces to recover um, in time for the Six Nations after being ruled out for at least three months following his knee surgery yesterday. Now, the defending champions launched their Six Nations title defence against France in Twickenham, and that'll be on the 4th of um, February. And they play their final game against Ireland in Dublin. That'll be in March. And yeah, I mean, it's, both teams are in the best form of their lives, so it's going to be pretty interesting to see who's going to come on top um, from that result. Now, yeah, um, if, in case you missed out, Italy going down to Tonga 1917, Scotland um, beating Georgia 43-16, Japan um, going down um, 38-25 to Fiji, then Wales beating South Africa, of course, um, Ireland. Ireland, Ireland, Australia, twenty-seven, twenty-four, and then France, New Zealand. It was a tough one, but I know I think um, New Zealand blokes are a bit tired now. They went on to win that game by twenty-four points to nineteen. It's going back to the England game. Mm-hmm. It's quite funny how I saw watching at halftime. They were, England were down to thirteen men. New Zealand, uh, sorry, yeah, uh, apparently I heard Argentina that. also had a guy get you know, carded. Uh, they had a guy sent off to England early on in the game, right? Mm-hmm. Now, you know your team is organised. If they it, manage to keep it locked. Eddie Jones didn't look fast. <laughs> yeah, the camera went to him. Yeah. England could have been 50 points up. They yeah. were a man down for, I think, 70 minutes. Like, mm-hmm. pretty much the majority of the game. But that's when you know the structures are working. 
I mean, Fafta Cloak went off for 10 minutes. And then everything all of a sudden just... The moment he went yeah. off, there was a ball at the base of our ruck standing there because I go, oh, shit, guys, you have definitely got a scrum off. Oh, <laughs> like, come on. There was no... They can't adapt our guys and look at England. <sighs> South Africa... Uh, I don't oh, want to talk about just, those But guys. the thing is, like, it's so obvious to see these small little things. It's what makes it so frustrating right now. And the guy, Nazim Kahi, knocked on the ball straight to the shoulder. I mean, that's basic rugby just to catch the ball. But anyways, moving on to some football now. Southampton, Southampton secured a deserving victory. One over the Toffees after Charlie Austin strike inside the first minute at St. Mary's. Now, Austin slotted home from a close range from Sims' assist. Now, Sims could have made it 2-0 not long after. Not long after, but he actually failed to make a good connection from Nathan Redmond's excellent cross. Burnley went down 2-1 to Manchester City. Harlan Westbrook won all draw. Leicester City, Middlesbrough, two all draw, then Liverpool beating Sunderland by two goals to nil. Swansea and Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace treated us to a nine goal thriller. Swansea edging them out by five goals to four, then Chelsea beating Tottenham 2 1. Arsenal gunning down Bournemouth 3 1, and then United. Disappointing draw there against West Ham United. Fourth home yeah, draw. Yeah, fourth home draw, and the second time that Jose Mourinho was sent. Oof. Yeah. So yeah, Chelsea on top with 31 points, Liverpool, Man City both on 30, and then Arsenal completes the top four, and they are on 28 points. Interesting point that after 13 games, yeah. Mourinho's got less points than Moyes and Van Gaal. <laughs> <laughs> if it couldn't get any worse. Uh, things aren't going well for the special one at the moment. Like man. the fact that becomes a meme just shows you that, yeah, yeah oh, tough Things stars. are kind of serious. Things are kind of serious. So yeah, man, Ben, that was your quick wrap up for the weekend sport edition, man. So yeah. Yeah, okay, thanks so much. There was, uh, yeah, look, there's always there's endless talking points about the rugby, I yeah. think. We've got um, Australia versus England coming up this weekend, which is going to be very interesting because mm-hmm. Australia, they, I don't know why it is. Maybe it's because we obviously focus on Thrimbox when they go overseas for the yeah. NBA tour and the world focuses on New Zealand. Australia always like this below the radar team and they, they do, yeah, and they they do they. so well over there. It's so strange. So they lost a real, real close one against uh, Ireland. They were 17 nil at half time. They lost 27 24. So that was quite something. Tough luck for them. It could be a week too far because um, you know they've played, I think, four games in the chart. Now this will be their fifth. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Springbox only played three tests. Thankfully, only three. So this will be their fifth in the trot. And uh, against England, sure, it's going to yeah, be. I don't think they're going to. I don't think they've, they've got what it takes against England. I mean, we, we keep on saying that now England are going to. They're going to crack it at, at, at some stage. But they, they actually keep on proving that they are a unit. And it's not about. You know, individual play as we, we, we praise a lot. They, they're playing as a team. They're gelling yeah. their units. So. Exactly. Uh, I don't see them going down to Australia. Uh, uh, not a chance. But another thing is that when they win this game on the weekend, which they really should, it's yeah. 14 in a row, right? 14 in a row and four in a row against Australia as well because exactly. they beat them 3 0 in the yeah. down under. So, so out of nowhere, Eddie Jones is racking up this hectic record. So well, if you think 14 in a row, the yeah. record's 18 and then the old back stumbled on game 19. If they then basically go through the six nations and beat them like they did, this Which they probably will. Um, probably they'll hiccup against Ireland. I'm not too sure, uh, but they could. They, they could take over. It'll be quite something. Going into the Lions tour, England will have the record for most consecutive uh, wins in world rugby. Obviously, sadly, they don't play New Zealand for. Yeah. I think until 2018. Something stupid like that. Yeah, it was really ridiculous because there were a lot of people expecting to see them play. If not this year, maybe at least next year. You know, because. 
there's been talks that England could beat New Zealand, which I don't know about that. But all we want to do is just see strength <laughs> versus strength, and none of this like end of your season, beginning of your season thing. We kind of want to see the best of the best here because that's what the world rugby needs. Just... And coming back to the box, sorry about this, man. Hey, I don't. Sorry, yeah, all, all things come back to the box eventually. <laughs> you know, Alistair said that um, the gap is not as huge as it should be between Southern and Northern Hemisphere. I mean. It's it's what we want to see. We want to see um, um competitive rugby because uh what six years back, we Springboks and other teams from the north from the southern hemisphere knew that they're going to win and 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 whop the guys up yeah. in England and Ireland. So I think it's a positive to see that we're getting very 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 different results from what we actually expected. So yeah, yeah it's it is good. I mean, like you like you say, it's just about getting competitive, great battles. And yeah. Unfortunately. The Springboks <laughs> aren't contributing to that. But you, you know, it's got bad when people are actually saying, you know what. In the past, we would just take a Bok, bok win. All we want to do is beat you yeah, guys because it that, meant something. Now, the guys, to your point, are basically saying, look, we just want to see the Please. I was, is, I was so praying that we, because I, I got the game sick enough. I decided, no, you know what? Let me just go watch. And because uh, I heard the score was like, I don't know, 11, 12, 6 or something. So. Yeah, I think it was 12, 6. Yeah, time, yeah. No, let me just go check out the sick enough. I was so praying and crossing my finger that these guys should actually just come on. Win by a point or two or three because if they scored just after they scored, I had hope. So it was going to add, it added up to 23 20 if they actually, you know, converted the try and scored, but that didn't happen. So, well, look, we might as well get onto this now. We're going to get, uh, Juan on the left from the left backs talking to us in about five minutes. But what I want to do to intro him, it just gave you some insights from the weekend. Um, <laughs> Uh, uh, so yeah, the, the game was twenty seven twenty three, and uh, the, the box had more possession, they had more territory, all those kind of things. But they missed a lot more tackles, and uh, well, it just came back to the fact that these guys they went into contact and there was no plan. So I mean, I, I saw on three occasions the guys actually just literally just ripped the ball from our players. <laughs> if if that happens, then, then you know uh, it's. Yeah, you got some big issues. So, um, you know, as always, I like to look at the panel from Supersport. They always have a bit of a go. Uh, and they have some good things to say. So before we get to Jean, um, please, if we can just give him a call in two minutes. Just two minutes on the Skype there. Uh, what I want to do is just get sort of uh, the thoughts of uh, Victor Matfield. Now, we don't often get the thoughts of Victor Matfield in the show for obvious reasons. But he was he was on fire here. And I tell you what, his English has really, really improved. <laughs> like, like to the point where, I mean, this guy... Ugh, his insights were good, and um, he's obviously taking English lessons. There's no doubt about it. He's but, obviously, <laughs> but it should be good because he he, he came out. Of, he retired. He was a commentator. Then he came back out of retirement again, and then played for the Bulls and Box. So he had a bit of piece yeah, of the boat. But at no stage did he have to be really proficient in English. But listen to him go here. <laughs> we need someone in South African rugby that comes out and say, "Listen, this is our vision. I'm yeah. in control. Yeah. I'm taking control of everything." Sorry. Sorry, sorry, hang on a second. Why is that coming back now? Moss Def. Seriously, I'm, I'm getting some sort of weird... Uh, but I, I killed Moss Def a while ago. <laughs> See, okay, that's what happens when you come in the studio. Oh, there he is, Moss Def. Sorry, Victor Matfield. Oh, so disrespectful. <laughs> okay, again. I'll put all these clips onto the balance of the today after this, as I always do, so you can see exactly what we're talking about. I do find other clips for you to get added insights. So uh, what we play on the show is basically just a whole snapshot of what it is. And, uh, of course, there's always just many, many additional talking points that hopefully you can enjoy and share with your friends. I just think we need someone in South African rugby 
that comes out and say, listen, this is our vision. I'm yeah. in control. Yeah. I'm taking control of everything. We had an Indaba. We had someone coming in, running the Indaba that's not a coach or involved at SA Rugby. The head yeah. coach or the director of rugby should step in there and say, listen, this is how things are going to work. You need to do this. You need to do this. And this totally. is how we're going to go forward. Totally. Alistair Kutsir, he talked about body language mm. before the game. His body Sorry. language. Sorry. He must be out. Remember, his players are going to look up to him. Exactly. He must be confident. He must be bold. We're South Africa. Yeah. You can't go out there in your shells and maybe and excuses. Yeah. Someone needs to step up, say, listen. We South Africans, this is how we're going to do this. This is our DNA. Yeah. On and off the field, our culture, everything. Is it we possible, to... though? Is it possible for Alistair Kutsia to turn around and say, this is what I need in place, and that will follow? Is it possible? <clears throat> no, I think, I, I don't know whether it's possible, but there is definitely, there are people who lead and lead inspirationally, and those who, who don't. And I'll take the example of the England side, and I'll take Lancaster, who's a very decent person, yep. who put structures in place, selected good players, but he couldn't inspire his team to do extraordinary things. I really like this point about inspiring things because, well, and we'll get onto it now with John, but oh, lack of inspiration from Alice said the whole time. Makes them a bit more edgy, gives them self-belief. They're on a 13-match winning streak. See, the thing is, you know, you asked the question, can he come in now? I, I think it's going to be very difficult, you know, to, to turn it around now. Why I'm saying that is, you know, what we've seen so far, and that's what we can only talk about that, is that are you seriously going to believe it now? Mm. You know, you come now and suddenly for six months we've seen this, and now you come and you say, listen, we're going to change that. And I'm going to ask you, why didn't you change it six, week, uh, six months ago? Every single week we've heard from the staff. We've had a very positive training. Right, <laughs> Every single week. We I can't believe how well we've trained this week. Yeah. There's energy <laughs> in the team. There's a good positive intent. And it just doesn't, it just disappears when that team runs out onto the field. So do you think we're just not being honest with ourselves? No, Kolo, we're not. We're not being honest at all. But uh, one person who will be honest right now will be Joan. Joan, are you with us? Yeah, I'm here, Okay, we've got some bad echo in the background. Um, try that again. Can you hear me now? Is that better? Uh, sorry, Poliska, we're just going to... Sorry, uh, John, we're just going gonna to call you back. Just, um, it's just a slight echo and it's a bit... Oh. Um, okay, cool. So, so while we try to um, get Sean back, just a bit more from Nick, who's starting to froth. Now, what I really wanted to do the, over the weekend was just see Nick being cursed, <laughs> being drawn into just throwing swear words out because he was seething at some stages. You train. I think you've got to train properly, but I think you need intensity on the rugby field. And we're seeing nervous players, mm. insecure mm. about themselves, about the game plan, about... Uh, um, Position. About about the positions they're playing in. I mean, this this team had a lot of changes, which we've been asking for perhaps a bit earlier on in the season. But they were playing against a Wales side that was desperate for a win as well. And it started off quite encouragingly. But the key to a confident side is a side that when something goes against them, they pull themselves together within themselves because of their leadership, because of what's been given them by their coaching staff. And they pull themselves together and react on the field. This Springbok side has consistently, or especially over the last six games, as soon as the tides turned even marginally against them, the heads dropped. And you look as though the people, that, that the players on the field don't know who to turn to. Yeah, you can't escape from the truth. There is lack of leadership, isn't it, Sean? Yeah, can you hear me better now, Ben? Yeah, that's much better. Awesome, great. Yeah, totally. Um, 
I, I think I said from the start that this was going to be a really tough Springbok season, but um, I don't think I could have foreseen or foreseen like how bad it was going to be. And yeah, leadership is a massive, massive problem that goes from both the captain on field point of view and from a from a coaching point of view. Now, we started talking about the Springboks back when Alistair first took over, and and you had some very sort of balanced comments about him. You weren't scathing, but you, you had a bit of doubt, which has just kind of simmered, and now it's kind of actually caught flames. So, um, <laughs> now, obviously, like, you, you watched the game on Saturday, and you saw the comments yeah. from... I mean, like, the Supersport panel right now is being pushed into a corner where they have to be honest, which is really nice. That's why I played here on a Monday. But, um, yeah. you know, it, it's... There was this, the whole thing about body language, about Alistair Kutsia just doesn't seem to have the body language of a team that's going anywhere. Do you think this is because he knows his job is safe and therefore he's just basically treading water right now? No, actually, I don't think so. I, I, I think, you know, my, my comments initially quite balanced, but I think that that's gone now. I think I'm, I'm totally on the other side, and I think that the reason he behaves the way he does is because that's just how he is. You know, I don't think he's an inspirational leader. I don't think he, like, strikes fear into the hearts of the players. I mean, it's not necessary to make those scared of you, but it's necessary for them to respect you, and I don't think that they necessarily respect him because he's just... He's too much of a nice guy. He's not enough of a tactician. And, and, and yeah, I mean, the fact that he hasn't resigned yet is, like, a little embarrassing, you know? I mean, he, like Nick also said in the segment, like, he doesn't have to resign. Fair enough. But, I mean, it, it, like, how can he possibly turn things around? Because the way the Springboks are playing now is exactly the way the Storm has played. Clueless on attack. Okay, the defense, at least when he was coaching the Storm was good, but he had a really good defensive coach. Attack, a driving wall is our primary attacking weapon. And I mean, look at Wales, they outmauled us. When we scored a try, from was from more. It's, it's literally the only way we know how to score tries. It's really, really sad. Yeah, it is completely sad. Again, you're getting back to the whole mark that if you go back to Stormers rugby, at least the Stormers could tackle. I mean, there was what, like 16 mm. missed tackles in the weekend for the Springboks. And, you know, we, we can't even go back to the old cliche that you can build a team upon a defense because that's gone as well. So, for sure. You know, it, it, there's just so many questions. Like, people always ask you on Twitter, so where to from here? What's the solution? And the solution isn't really, uh, it, there isn't one. It's just a whole bunch of structures need to change. But people keep saying, well, there's no point firing him now because there's no one to really replace him. Do you still think there's truth in that situation or must we just get past that and make a change? No, he must go. We must find somebody else to replace him. I mean, even if we get Jake White back, I saw a lot of uh, conversation on Twitter on Saturday in, in, in like the aftermath of the game talking about Jake White. I'm sure Jake White would probably be keen. You know, um, I, I think that we desperately need somebody else. I don't think that he can turn things around. He's, for the reasons we spoke about earlier, I think his chances is come and gone. And I really think that whether we have somebody else or not, and yeah, there's a lot of structural problems. And, you know, he keeps going on about how he was appointed in April, two months before the test. But I actually tweeted that the other day, and somebody tweeted back, Yo, Eddie Jones also was appointed at short notice. So look at them, 13-0. and 0, Yeah, exactly. You know? So it, it just goes back to the value of a really strong leader, and I think that that's not what Alistair Katia is. He almost alluded to the fact that it was it was more Heineken Mayer's problems that got him to where he was now. Um, I've got a little, I've got a little interview I want to play, um, just kind of just to carry our, our, our chat on because I think people actually need to hear how casual he is, just talking about the fact mm. that this isn't really completely his fault. And if it was deemed his fault, then maybe he'll take responsibility. But maybe. Mm. Mm. I wonder how you sum up your mood now. Yeah, it is tough. It is uh, really tough. Um, it's never easy to lose in a Springbok jersey. Definitely not. Players understand it. Management understand it. Everyone understands that. But uh, 
uh, this is uh, what the situation is, you know, and uh, hopefully this is the start of a new beginning for South African rugby. And I think this is just uh, um, a show that uh, we've got to make sure that we do lay the foundation uh, properly, you know, going forward. Alistair, do you fear, though, that this result might spell the end of your time in charge? No, yeah, well, I, uh, I don't fear anything, to be honest. I, um, I think uh, this has really tested my characters, character. It's tested my, my faith. It's tested a lot of things, you know. Um, I do feel that uh, collectively we've got to understand it, 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 it's not just one person that can take uh, responsibility for that. Uh, if I'm uh, solely held responsible for that, then I'll walk away. I'm man enough to say that. But there's been uh, a lot of things that, uh, uh, that sort of uh, um, had an effect on, on, on the season. And uh, one has got to have a look. We'll have a lot of meetings going forward. Uh, and discussions, obviously, and uh, a lot of challenges for South African rugby going forward. But I think this has just showed up that uh, we, we cannot now just plaster over cracks. We've got to fix it from the core. You're the first coach to be at the helm when a South African side has lost eight matches in one year. Would you consider your position? Yeah, it is tough. No, definitely tough. And uh, and it's not nice. But like I said, this is not the start this year. It's you know, it's come, it's come on for a couple of years now. Uh, I mean, we have lost uh, for the first time against the, the Argentinas back home. We've lost against Japan, and uh, we've lost this year against Italy. So definitely there are fundamental problems that we need to address. Thank you. Yeah. See, now he, he makes a point there about there's going to be lots of meetings. Now, the only way that I see Alex Garcia could possibly stay in this job, if he literally goes into these meetings, and I mean, like, cock on the table... Right, guys, this is how we're doing this. But again, sure. he's not that guy. He, he's not going to do that, right? He's not going to be able to say, right, guys, this is what's wrong, this, this, and this. We need to fix this. I mean, am I harsh in saying that? No, you are spot on. And, and you know, this is where I get really animated because like, the feeling I get from that conversation with the media is it's like it's not my fault it's other people's fault you know yeah there's 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 core problems but i don't really want to take responsibility for this and and that's the concerning thing about keeping him in charge is is why would it get better next year you know he could get you know somebody world famous to be his assistant coach and i I still don't think it would make too big of a difference as long as he's in charge and you know like i'm feeling a little negative and i apologize for that but but i i just think that like enough is enough losing to italy should never happen in a spring jersey ever and you know the the game plan was non-existent. Italy just wanted it much more than we did, and that's why we lost that game. It's kind of like watching a bad movie. Let me think of one. The, the, the whole 12 yards, I think when Matthew Perry was at the height of being a drunk, and he was in that movie <laughs> with uh, Amanda Peets and Bruce Willis. I watched yeah. the first hour of that movie, right? And I, I paid. I went to the cinema. I watched that for the first hour. And I said to myself, this is a load of shit. I'm going to walk out. And then I thought to myself, exactly. well, don't walk out of a cinema. You paid to watch the movie, watch it to the end. And I thought, well, if it's been this bad for an hour, there is not a chance in hell that it's going to come around in the last half hour and be saved. So I think exactly. it's just, it's exactly that. It's exactly where it got you. So although, yeah. he, although he talks about a platform has been set and a new era, uh, <laughs> again. It doesn't feel like no, it's 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 just so painfully obvious, and unfortunately, Saru are so tied because again, if you can kind of confirm this, there's no performance clause in his contract. So basically, if he gets turfed, they have to pay him out for four years, which they can't afford, right? 
Yeah, exactly. That is the, I mean, I'm not 100% sure, but it seems that way. I mean, Mallet alluded to it as well. It seems like he's the first one that doesn't have that. And that is so ridiculous because that obviously goes to show that objectives, like his KPIs are totally different to other Springbok coaches. But one comment I will make is, and I think that this is something we can take heart from, is one of the people that Saru apologized to was Supersport. And, you know, the, commer- the commercial benefit of, of the brand, the Springbok brand, has always been something that I think that they try and preserve. And, the fact that they apologize to Supersport is actually something we can take heart from because I think Supersport are going to be like, dudes, nobody's watching the TV. People are canceling their DSTV. What's happening here? You know, if they kind of embed with each other, then I think it's a really good thing that that they put the heat on Sorry and be like, guys, if you don't, if you don't finish this, there's going to be problems. Yeah, sure. See, that's why I love talking to you because you just brought up my final point here. Our only saving grace here <laughs> is the fact that these guys who are so used to their job, they still love money. And if the box, yeah. and if the box are terrible, there's no money for them to love or skim. So it's it's exactly. so, it's so right because as much as they can they can fluff and talk about all these kind of things about changing stuff, they know bottom lines because. Since they lost Absa as their main sponsor, they're not going to get another a, a sponsor of that level. They've got Blue Telecoms right. right now, probably on like a, I don't know, a season-to-season kind of thing. I, I doubt they've signed anything big and weighty. They, they haven't got sure. an official car sponsor. Um, you know, the, all these little things they used to have, which were very nice and cushy. Mm, <laughs> That's gone. Exactly. No, I wrote a post about it the other day, and the thing is, it's like, what happens if people stop going to the stadiums, you know? Yeah. It's going to be a big problem, and, and, and this... This is probably just an inevitable trajectory we need to get down to rock bottom of being like, okay, Oaks, um, we've lost everything, like, let's rebuild. And that's kind of what, inadvertently, I'm hoping we achieve sooner rather than later. And Alistair Katia's got us there really quickly, is rock bottom. When we reach rock bottom, we can only go up, hopefully. And I think that that's why we need to reassess what's really important here. And the most important thing is winning rugby matches. Like, the Springbok should be in the top three always. Yeah, well, John, we're going to leave it there. Um, unfortunately, we're starting to break up a little bit. But, yeah, spot on spot on comments, mate, and I really appreciate your time. So it, it is. It's, it's a rock-bottom thing. Cheers, mate. We'll, we'll chat soon. Um, yeah, I was just worried that his Skype line was just breaking up a touch yeah. there. But, he, like, Sean is always so on the money with this kind of stuff. And all those factors are all we need to worry about right now. None of this we're going to store, restore the pride in the, in the Bach emblem. None of this we can all change it around. There's going to be a coaching in Darbury again. And the see is about to meet with the Super Rugby franchises, I think, in two weeks' time. But you got to think, like, what can you really talk about? Now, I know that the Lions assistant, uh, sorry, the Lions defensive coach has now been with the Bach camp. Uh, Franco Smith from the Cheetahs, the coach there, has been with the Bok camp. So maybe that's a nice way of saying, okay, cool. What we're going to do is have you guys more involved in the box system going forward, which makes a lot of sense. It's kind of misleading, I think, perhaps for the players, because if you've got six guys basically looking, <laughs> reading from one playbook, and you're thinking, who's really in charge yet? That's not so cool. But if it's going to be in a way that every union's got a stake in the Bok team as far as what's going to happen, and if that can be managed properly i'm trying to be positive here hence me sounding like maybe stretching a bit here but maybe that's something that can be taken on still salvaged from this year again but as you has to no matter what these meetings are he has to be so so decisive he needs to go in there like victor said and literally say look we're sa rugby we're gonna fucking kick ass and take names all that kind of stuff we've got to do this not this all right guys what we kind of thinking about doing is yeah. maybe if we change this and <laughs> you know if we can all become on board bullshit none of this we need to get on board stuff Whoops need to be cracked. And I just don't think Alistair has the ability because that's not his nature. His nature has always been 
Um, all right, guys, we're going to do this, and then we're going to do that, and then we're going to look at this, and then we're going to consolidate, and blah, 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 blah. It's just a long story, and it's a nice a kind of aging man with a soft smile. That is not a, <laughs> that is not someone who has to hold something, which is the beast, which is SA Rugby, because it is. It's an absolute beast. You can't just passively run this thing. You can't guide it. You need to actually grab it. Grab it by the horns. That's not even a bull's analogy. You simply got to grab yeah. SA Rugby by the horns. And, um, no, and you've got to understand that um, Alistair, <laughs> you've got to understand that um, rebuilding a side, a national team takes a bit of time because we saw with England. So this, this is not something that's going to happen over time where we're going to say, okay, guys, um, we in the boardroom um, with the sorry um, 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 top players, and um, yeah, this is what's going to happen. So it it will take a bit of time for us to actually rebuild the side. Then Dob is coming up, and they said about they said something about um, wanting South Africa to play the same all, all South African franchise. Um, 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 teams to play the same style of rugby, which I highly doubt is going to happen anytime soon because you know unions will forever be different. You can't take now Pretoria from the starting back from high school rugby, like you know your Afis, your your, your Tucks and everything. They say they they play the same kind of rugby now. Durban University, all those all those coastal sides, they play a different brand. So I don't know where we're going to actually find some time and space to actually get these guys to play the same brand of rugby. So, Well, uh, at the moment, thankfully, they all are playing the same brand of rugby. It's called yeah. shit. <laughs> but now, to your point, where, yeah. where it's a valid one too, is that you need to have the right players in the right places, okay? So it's a lovely idea. Yeah. Now, what New Zealand do is they go, cool, this is how you play rugby, right? That means, um, for instance, Hurricanes, you can't have three players of the similar abilities in one position. You're going to go to Auckland and you're going to go to Canterbury. Yeah. And they know what they do? They go, cool. And suddenly those players flourish and you've got a very lot and of competition. That's very healthy for competition yes. as well because now you've got, I mean, New Zealand has probably got the best loose forwards. They, they're all scattered out. Yep. Waikato, whatever, as you said. So all it's, any experience. You know. So take, for instance, we, we have this magical uni <laughs> style thing, okay? And now, um, Alistair Garcia says to the Bulls, uh, look, you guys have got three inside centers. Um, the cheetahs, we know they might need someone to back up uh, Francois Fenter. Would you mind giving your? Would you what? mind doing that? They're going to tell him to piss off, and it, as simple as that, that. That's the culture. So there's certain things, and again, I can't hop on this enough. If there's, yeah. one, if there's one takeout today, it's just that there needs to be more hard bastards running this. You know, I've been saying this about SA Cricket for quite some time now, which is basically going to segue us into that situation. <laughs> We've been saying this for quite a while. Graham Smith was so great as a yeah. captain because he was a hard bastard. Very few people will say to you, you know what, Graham Smith's a really nice guy. I really like him. And then remember, right after Graham Smith, Hashem Amla took over and then the team started to, because exactly. he's not, he doesn't have the balls to actually... Exactly. Because he's a nice guy and he's strategic <laughs> He'll do things in his own little way, but that's not how you lead things. Abe de Villiers, too. He is a superstar player, but he's not the kind of guy to go, okay, right, all of you doing this. He'll go, you know what, guys, I'm just going to try harder because that's what Abe did. He took a lot on himself. Yeah. He could do it. Now we've got Fafdu Pussy. He's the kind of guy no, that will tell the Aussies to get bent. <laughs> he is the hard bastard we yeah. need. So, again, comes back to the whole leadership thing. We didn't have that as a captain on the field. Sure as hell have not got that off the field with a coach. But I think, uh, I think we can just draw the line there for, <laughs> for rugby for this week. Uh, what I do want to do is just talk about cricket a little bit. Uh, of course, the end of the, the Proteus series there, mm-hmm. third time in a row. And just some thoughts from Dale Stade, who was very busy in his lounge this week. Anytime. When you're ready. What are your overall thoughts on, on the team and their performance? Yeah, you can't fault the team. I think they played unbelievably well. I think they were well led by, by Faf. Um, 
you know, in the first two games, they were they were pretty brilliant. Uh, there was there was nothing that that went wrong. You know, the bowlers stepped up. We always talk about our bowlers in a in a three match series trying to win one man of the match, and in the first two games, they won two man of the matches. And um, if your bowler generally wins a man of the match, you or, or gets ten wickets or so on, you're going to win the game. And if you win two games like that, you're going to win the series. So. Um, brilliant performance, and to be honest with you, I reckon that if we played this day-night test match, I'm just looking at my TV there, maybe a week ago, um, we may have seen a different result, you know, like uh, just that little bit of time for Australia to to get a little bit more confidence um, and all that kind of stuff. It kind of plays a little bit of a role, but 2-1, we'll take that, and uh, three times down to Australia and three wins, um, I'm pretty proud of that. Yeah, it's a good point that you know there was so much momentum around the Proteas, but then the Aussies had that week to really go and soul search and find people who weren't completely useless, and they came back with a very different side and it's a side that won. Of course, what the Aussies are doing now is that they're basically celebrating this new dawn of invincibility of just one victory, which kind of yeah, Australia are becoming the New England. That's that's exactly what they're becoming. Can't wait for the Ashes series. I don't know who I'm actually going to be cheering for at this rate. But just to recap on this on this series, uh, of course, Eby de Villiers was meant to be the captain for the Proteas in the Test team, which he is and still is, according to Cricket South Africa. But he, yeah, he had a bad elbow injury, had to go for surgery, did not recover in time, missed the New Zealand series, which was basically one game and one game looking at mud, and uh, he just was never going to be ready in time. So there was talk about him making a miraculous recovery, but I think that's just you know marketing. So Fafdipasi had to go and take a team that. Didn't have him, and then suddenly didn't have Dalestan either, and then didn't ever have a fully functioning Hashim Amla. So if you want to talk about a really great leader, I think we've got him. There he is. Because any other captain could have pulled an Alistair Garcia and said, you know what, well, there was contributing factors here. Um, if you've seen that, you know, the captains have gone through, and I'm just here, I'm trying to do my yeah, best. Standing in. He didn't make any excuses whatsoever. He's rolled up his sleeves which are already quite tailored to show his guns. And he thought, screw this. This is my time. This is my time to be the captain of the protest. I'm going to make the most of this, and the guys are going to back me for it. And that's exactly what good leadership is. That's the cool thing about going between these two stories. And I'm sorry if I'm flying here. It's just that we really are. We need to get all this within the hour. Is that Springboks are a great example of lack of leadership. The protest has suddenly become this incredible example of leadership. And while one's lifted a trophy, the other one is the laughing stock of their sport. So, you know, sport really isn't complicated. It's actually so simple when you really work it out. All you got to do is the basics. Don't be shit. Play it hard and get a good captain. So just look at the stats from from this series. It was uh, it was rather enthralling in that, well, the, the bowlers for SA going into this. Now, when I had a chat with Dennis, uh, Dennis Friedman, our Australian correspondent, he said, look, you know, he agreed with me. Your seamers are superior, and that's going to be the difference. And it really was in the end because, um, well, oh, crap, man. I had the screen right in front of me. Now it's gone again. So we definitely had the more consistent and uh, more effective seamers going into this. And it was just so nice to see the guy like Kyle Albert, who's always been in and out of this out of this uh, team, for no fault of his own sometimes. <laughs> and uh, there he was basically just saying, look, I am the replacement for Dale Stane. Not because I'm a like-for-like bowler, more because I can just get it done. And get it done, he sure as hell did. Yeah. So he played two tests, uh, 12 weeks and two tests. It's pretty bloody good, that is. And uh, Werner Philander then got man of the series just from the back of his uh, his um, exploits. So you got those two guys. you got Kokisa Rabada, who's there, thereabouts. You know he's always going to be very dangerous. And then we've got spinners now. We've got, I mean, Dane Pitt was kind of thrown away because he was surplus the needs. So we've got two, two left-arm spinners who were very, very different. I know Shamsi <laughs> might have not had the best, the best debut. 
But he was a guy who can at least offer something and a bit yeah. of variety, which is really, really cool. Uh, Maharaj, maybe the more percentage call going into the Sri Lanka series. But again, like it just showed our bowlers are really, really good. On to the batsmen. Now, the big talking point for this this Proteus team going forward is which batsman is now going to miss out for Abby de Villiers? You, Ooh, that's a tough one. But I mean, this is the inevitable question yeah. because it's not if Abby's coming back; it's who's losing yeah, out AB when he does. Coming back. So, we've, we've so let's take a bit of time now to look at this this batting lineup, right? Stephen Cook just scored a hundred. Can't drop him. Yeah, simple as that. <laughs> but what I really loved by that third test, and there were very few things, that Channel Nine commentary team were basically that they couldn't construct real sentences because they were so flabbergasted at how someone like Stephen Cook can actually get more than 10 runs, let alone 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100. <laughs> they couldn't work it out because they just said, look, this guy's got no footwork. He doesn't ever find the gap. Yeah. He can't rotate the strike. He's basically useless. And uh, there you go. And he raised his bat. So he's in. Dean Algar, also, he got 100 in Perth. Yeah, he's, he's definitely solid there. Difficult, he, difficult to kind of just justify, okay, we need a scrappy because he is a fighter and he is in the Graham Smith opening batsman kind of mold. Yeah. And it's very tough to actually chop and change your opening batsman because, I mean, they have to as well um, get to be, get to get used to each other in terms of going out there together, you know. So, so yeah. it's going to be very difficult and it's going to be a step backwards for us to actually go in because they tried, they, they, I remember they took Pete Van Sale from number six. They tried him um, 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 up the order at number one or two. It didn't work out. So I think they should stick to. Pete Van Sale, the scrum off from the Blue Bulls. Not Pete Van Sale. Who's. <laughs> <laughs> but, I see that but, but I'm sure you know the Fonsell I'm talking about. He plays for um, Stian Fonsell. Stian Fonsell, yeah. man. He, he plays for. The <laughs> yeah, see, that, that yeah. was, there was an experiment. But you're right. Look at the best teams. They've had great uh, partnerships. Remember yeah. Hayden and Langley? And Langley they were, the, they they, were amazing. I, I, I've never seen any other opening pair but Gibbs and um, Graham Smith who did it better than those, those guys did it. Yeah, Kirsten was in amongst that as well, but you're right. And that was the best test team I think we'll ever see in yeah. the world cricket was that Aussie team with, with Langer and Hayden up front. So you want to get that. The right-hand, left-hand combo is great because it pisses off the field. Mm-hmm. So the other option would be, well, if one of those isn't going to perform, then Riley Rousseau. Yeah, it's a, it's a big if because again he would have to then debut. He'd have to start in Test cricket, so I think that opening partnership is going to stay. Hashim Amir at three, you can't drop yeah, him just yet. Yeah, the guy's record is obviously incredible, and even though he's still playing badly, he's still scoring decently. I mean, he's okay. I said decently. He scored a forty in a very trying circumstance in Hobart, and he got a he got a twenty something. <laughs> okay, no, he's not scoring decently right yeah. now. But you know the guy's going to come good because he just he's a guy that scores hundreds. Like he wasn't playing well, suddenly he got two hundred against England. That's the kind of player. Gonna, yeah. It's difficult to kind of drop talents like that. What really pisses off pisses me off most about Hashim Amla is dropping the ball in the slips. I can I he's, can understand a batting slip. He used to have safe hands though. I mean he's he's safe as everything. Yeah. So we got that. That's your top three, right? Now number four it has to be Abu Villas. He comes back. Yeah. Okay. So there's your top four. Fafdu Basi he stays because he's your captain. There's your top five. This is where it gets very interesting because now you've got Dumini and, and Bavuma, who both pretty had a decent um, 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 series with the bat. Um, um, Dumini scored 100. Bavuma is he's looking good since the England um, Test 100. So, and Dumini as well. He's like he, he's he's like um, Hashim Amla and 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 the Jokers. You you can't really just get rid of him because you never know what to expect. Because um, I think the innings. In, 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 in the first test or the second test where he made a, a hundred actually, yeah. that, that, that actually anchored the innings for us, you know, so you never really, you, you really can't write, um, too many, um, uh, out of the batting lineup, but now there's Bavuma as well, who's, which is going to be a big problem if we let him go while he's still, um, regaining his confidence and his form. So, too many and Kunin Dukaki not going anywhere. That's, 
yeah, like just the point of Dumini though is that he'll do something great against Australia. I don't know if he can do something great away. If you look at all his stats, the he saved his his career all the time against Australia. Yeah, because. I think the PE, the PE test as well, he made a hundred where we lost that one. So it's, yeah. and it was against Australia. So when it comes to India, Pakistan, all these other nations, he just doesn't show up. It's not that great. And the fact that he didn't stand up an Adelaide test that really needed him at number four to do something. And it's like, I don't know if you can keep holding this one reputation <laughs> because as much as he can bowl a bit of off spin as well, I don't think that should be a, a saving grace for him. Yeah. So people will say, but yeah, he's still going to score more runs than Bavuma. I mean, look, that's an argument that can go on forever, but I don't think it's a valid one because you're taking a guy who could potentially play for the protest for 10 years, okay? Mm-hmm. Which is what Bavuma is. And there's potential. If you look at his trajectory so far, given a shot in the team, loads of criticism for various reasons, whatever it was. Scored 100. He was decent this Australian series. Okay, bad bad test in Adelaide. But, you know, he was decent. Knocking Hobart and the way he combines very well with Quinton de Kock, that alone for me makes him cemented at number six for the time being. Of course, if he has a bad Sri Lanka series, he's like anyone else. He will get dropped, whatever. (laughs) But that's why I believe you must persist with Bavuma because of where he is in his career. Whereas with Dumini... I know he's part of the whole uh, leadership yeah. role, and we spoke about how important leadership is. But this is this is what happens when you're a good side. You have to make very tough calls. Someone who is very good, someone who can justify position, is going to fall away. Yeah, that's life. Morning Walker, he's not around anymore. And exactly, yeah. So I mean, look at the great Australian sides. You had some of the best batsmen in the world still playing Sheffield Shield. They they make their debuts in their mid thirties. But that was the reality of when you playing for the top. So I think Dumini is going to be the guy who's going to fall out. And as 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 tough as it is in certain aspects, because obviously you know it's great to have people of that experience because yeah. it does a lot for the morale of new guys coming in. If AB comes back, Dumini's got to go. I think it's as simple as that. Then you got Bavuma, and then you got Philander, who's going to be in there after after the Cox. There's your number eight. Then you got Abbott and Phil- um, Rabada. So that to me is looking so strong already. Yeah. Dale Stan, unfortunately for me, is out. Yeah, he should just come back and get his five wickets and be the leading test wicket um, taker for South Africa and just, you know, like, yeah, step down. Uh, get, I reckon they must leave that. Give, give Pommy something. <laughs> he's, he's losing hair and he's commentating right now. I mean, give the guy something. <laughs> so I, I think Dale Stan's going to, he's going to come back, but he's, it's, it's past it now. It, it's gone. Mm. Um, you know, there's, there's maybe a role in, oh, I don't know. I don't even see it in national setup for him right now. And then we've got, I think every test match, regardless of the of the wickets, we play a spinner, and I think the approach is a position now where they're bold enough to be able to do that. So we've got, yeah, we've got talent. That's cricket. Wow, I'm sorry, we are just flying through this. We're still going to talk F1. Oh, okay, but we have to talk F1 because, well, yesterday was the end of it. Yeah. So that's it. Abu Grand Prix done and dusted. Lewis Hamilton won. He controlled the race. He early in the week said that he was the moral champion. Um, but I don't know if that makes uh, Rosberg the immoral champion or the undeserving champion. But the interesting thing at the end of that was we all kind of knew Lewis was going to win the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Uh, full credit to Rosberg for hanging on there and getting a second because all you have to do is finish third. Yeah. If you finished fourth and Hamilton won, then yeah, it would have been different. But there's been a lot of talk about the fact that it was a bad sportsmanship of, of Hamilton to slow the race down mm-hmm, in yeah. order to make things difficult for Rosberg. For Rosberg to actually complete, to be on the podium, yeah. But uh, I, I don't believe so. I, Hamilton was totally in his rights. If he can control a race by slowing it down, then this guy he, maybe deserves a shot of the world championship. Yeah, he is the best. I, I, I can't see a debate about this. And people are saying, yeah, it's bad sportsmanship. And you know, Mercedes said to Lewis, please speed up 
so we can guarantee the win here. Please speed up. And then he was going, guys, get stuffed. I'm, I'm running my own race here. I'm yeah. in the lead. I'm doing pretty well. I think I can judge what's going on here. <laughs> Let us race. And then the other thing was that it, please move over for Rosberg so he can then fa- quicken the race and then he will let you win at the end. Uh, all sounded a little bit. Yeah. So, what are the chances of that happening? Uh, it's <sighs> never going to happen. What I really loved, and I, unfortunately I haven't got the clip. So these guys are driving around a track, right? Doing like 200 up to 300 kilometers and back stretches, whatever. Life is going past you at a <laughs> thousand seconds or whatever. Lewis Hamilton does not miss a beat. And his tone was like, nope, I'm fine at the top here. I'll do what I want. Yeah. He wasn't emotional. He wasn't out of breath. He just spoke like we're speaking right now. Which is what, which is what is needed. I mean, you can't be all emotional now. You won. And tough luck for Rosberg, but Rosberg is the world champion. So he should just take that and sleep well. So, yeah, so, so while we're talking about why he's going around the track, is that he is so composed, is Hamilton. This, this is what makes him such an absolute uh, superstar. And yes, he didn't win the championship this time, but this guy, to control a race like this, and if he had better luck, what this all comes down to is that Hamilton felt that he didn't have the pit crew that he wanted. It was definitely changed around. He didn't get all the brakes car-wise that uh, Rosberg got. I mean, look at the, the final scoreboard. Hamilton had 10 w- races wins this year. Rosberg had nine. Rosberg is the champion. But then afterwards, Lewis was pressed about this whole being asked to step aside and quicken the pace and all that kind of stuff. And uh, they try. They press him at every given stage, but he was just not going to be brought into it. He's such a pro, this dude. When we heard on the radio that the team saying to you, can you pick up the pace a little bit here? And, and we've heard in the press conference you saying you don't know why they didn't just let you guys race. Are you a bit disappointed they asked you to do that in the end? Um, no, it is. It is what it is. It's been a, a season that certainly will test you. Is it one of the hardest runner-up positions to take, you've had to take? Um... Even or not, no. I mean, I've been in a similar position in, in uh, 2000 and uh, 2007. It was much harder in 2007 losing it. Um, obviously, having the experience helped a lot. And, uh, you know, certain things happen along the way. And all I can do is have done, done my best, and, and I truly believe I did. So I can go out now and, and enjoy myself. Did you, um, can I ask you, do you think, did you lose the title this year or did Nico win it? <laughs> um... I don't want to take anything from Nico. He did a great job. So. And just finally, from we can look ahead now to 2017 and a real battle, and maybe a real battle with other teams as well coming to the fore. Would you relish that? Uh, yeah, I think it'll be great if, the, if other teams are, are close with us next year. I think it'll be uh, it'll be interesting, and you know, it'll be good for the fans. Um, you know, the sport fans want to see close wheel-to-wheel racing. So, I'm not convinced that the rule changes they've made is uh, a great one, but I hope that I'm, I hope that proves me wrong. Okay, so mark my words. As you see, he was very composed there. He was like, yeah, I'm not going to take anything away from Nico, blah, blah, blah. He's had his say on certain things. He even went to the extent where he said, you know what, maybe in about 10 years' time when I release a book, you can understand what's really going on here. All I can say is this. Next year, if Hamilton has to go through the same issues with his car on this few occasions, there's only a few occasions, but it's enough. That's the difference between winning and losing. If he has to go through all this again, we will not see a composed Lewis Hamilton like this next time around because he, this guy is a champion in that he, he, he lives on wounds like vampires live on blood. I mean, this is what this guy does. He doesn't ever get up to be anything other than number one. Very few people actually have this. You can see it in his eyes. He's going, you know what? You can have this one. You guys, you can have this one. I'm going to be, I'm going to be very PC. I'm going to be very restrained, but this is never going to happen again. That guy was not as good as me. And it was a good question that she said there. Um, you know, was it a, a loss or a win? 
And he's like, you know what? Screw it. I'll be the bigger person for this stage. We'll be the bigger people right now and get going because that is the hour up. Sorry, I, I did have a few other things. I didn't quite get to it in the end. But uh, like I said, go on to the bounce.co.za and you'll be able to find a whole bunch of um, other clips and things I didn't quite get to. And uh, basically, you can elaborate on some of those other clips. It's been a great, interesting weekend. And uh, well... This week ahead, we'll provide some more. Next, as of next week, we're going to be doing recap shows. So basically, um, all the things that happened throughout the year, uh, all the big highlights and the various sporting codes. I'm going to be recapping on that, and I hope you can join me for that. From AK. Yeah, no, nothing much. Whoopsie! Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just gonna say goodbye. <laughs> no, nothing much from my side, man. I'm, I'm, I'm just looking forward to the rest of the week. That's all. I doubt it's going to be. Is it? Uh, is, is is it the last round of 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 the end of the year international rugby games, or is it just Australia, England who are playing? It's pretty much just that. Okay, cool. Yeah. Then uh, other than that, um, nothing much from our side for now. So yeah, cool. All right, guys, catch you back next week. Um, that one goes up, then I press play. Are we out of here? <laughs> Cliffcentral.com.